I am better at my job now than I was six or seven years ago. I've put a lot of effort into developing and honing my skills, and I've also had the the privilege of working with hundreds of people in my coaching programs. And you know what? I have learned a lot from all of them as well. But today, I want to share some things that I have learned from my most successful clients, those who got the most benefit and the best results from the work we did together, in large part because of what they brought to that work. Consider this your roadmap for how to succeed. All right. All right, everyone, take your seats or lace up your sneaks. We're about to get started. Welcome to the Change Academy podcast. I'm your host, Monica Reinagel, and in this show, we talk about what it takes to create healthier mindsets and habits in our own lives, as well as how we can create healthier communities and workplaces. Whether you're working on your own health and well-being or promoting healthy behaviors is your job, we're going to talk about what works, what's hard, what's needed, and what's next. Let's jump in. Right now, while I am working on this episode, it's actually during the Wimbledon Tennis Championship. And I swear that watching the world's best tennis players play actually improves my game. Okay, when you're as bad as I am, it doesn't take a whole lot. But there is definitely a lot to be learned from people who are good at something that you're trying to get better at. And that's why I want to share with you some of what I have observed in my most successful clients. These are qualities and practices and attitudes that you can adopt and emulate to enhance your own progress and your own success, whether you're working with me or another coach or on your own, maybe using this podcast and some of the self-study tools that we've created, especially for our listeners. There's our eight things you need to create change series a special series of podcasts and workbook, and you can get that for free by going to changeacademypodcast.com slash notebook. Or we have a, another series called the 50,000 Mile Tune-Up, similar podcast series and an accompanying workbook for you to do the work. And you can get all of that by going to changeacademypodcast.com slash tune-up. So lots of self-study options available for you, but however you are doing this work, I think what I'm going to share with you in this episode can really turbocharge your success. So deciding that you're going to invest in some sort of coaching or training, it might be a group coaching program, it might be an individual relationship with a coach, can definitely help you reach your goals either faster or more efficiently. It can also sometimes help you get to results that you're not able to get to on your own. But sometimes people think that simply hiring a coach or investing in a program is the thing that will make them successful. And it's not. It's what they then bring to that process, to that relationship or that program. And there's another common and sort of closely related mistake where people think that investing money in something will keep them motivated. Does that sound familiar? I think that a lot of us have at one point or another joined gyms using that rationale, right? Like we don't really like to exercise. We don't really want to exercise. We're having trouble finding time to exercise, but we figure okay, if I'm paying 70 or 80 bucks a month to that gym, then 
I'm going to make sure that that money isn't wasted. (laughs) And that then was our strategy for how we were going to get ourselves to the gym or to exercise, to commit those funds, and then maybe count on our, I don't know, our financial shame or our frugality or something like that to ensure that we didn't waste that money. And, you know, maybe that strategy has worked for you, or maybe it worked for a little while, but then stopped working. But there are plenty of people for which it doesn't really work at all. It doesn't actually solve the problem. Like it doesn't help them figure out how to find more time to exercise or suddenly make them liking exercise. But now they have this additional problem that they're feeling some maybe guilt or shame or regret over this money that they're now spending that they're not taking advantage of. So I think it's really useful to see that just spending the money, that may not be what is going to keep you motivated. Your desire not to waste your money may actually not be big enough to overcome whatever other resistance you might have to making the necessary changes. Because we know that the process of change can sometimes be a little uncomfortable. And if you're choosing between two discomforts, you might just choose the discomfort of wasting the money or not getting a good return on your investment. Now, deciding to spend some money on a solution, it does give you some skin in the game. And And that can sometimes help you to remember, hey, this was important enough to me to put my credit card down. Now, let me make sure that I give it its due, that I follow through on that commitment. But you are still going to have to know what your compelling reason is for pursuing that change. And it's going to have to be compelling enough to power you through the discomfort of changing those longstanding behaviors and mindsets or coming up with solutions to the barriers or obstacles that have been standing in your way. Okay, so that is a couple of common mistakes that I've seen people make, and I've certainly made myself. But really what I want to share with you today are some of the things that my most successful clients have in common. One big thing is that they take responsibility for their own progress, for their own success. And I saw this modeled so beautifully by a former client of ours who, about halfway through a year-long program that she'd signed up for, spoke up in the discussion forum, and she was expressing some frustration with the fact that she hadn't yet made the progress that she was hoping to make. But importantly, she also was acknowledging that she had to take responsibility for the fact that she also had not been using the resources, and the tools that we had provided. It's so tempting. It's so easy for us to look around for other things to explain or to blame, to shift the responsibility for what isn't happening to something outside of ourselves. It could be circumstances or our jobs or our families or an injury, whatever it is. It is so easy to find a whole bunch of reasons why We haven't actually done X, Y, or Z. And you know, that can sometimes feel a little bit more comfortable to find a reason that, you know, outside of us that explains why we haven't been able to make progress, but it also takes away all of your power. 
I mean, think about it. When we can accept and take responsibility for our actions or our lack of actions and own the results that are flowing from that or are not flowing from that, yeah, okay, that might be a little uncomfortable, but it puts us back in the driver's seat. It shifts not just the responsibility to us, but also the control to us, the agency to us. Because when we take responsibility, well, then we have the option of changing the choices that we're making and changing those outcomes as a result. So when you catch yourself looking around for reasons that something outside yourself is preventing you from succeeding, just know that you're basically erecting a wall between you and the solution, between you and progress. When we're willing to say, yep, these are the circumstances I'm dealing with, but here are the choices that I have and here are the ones that I haven't been making, well, then you are in control and you can change that outcome. Another thing I've noticed about some of my most successful clients is that they take notes, whether that's we're meeting in a group session or a private session, or maybe even just when they are listening to or reading through materials that we've provided, they're not just passively taking it in. They are actively engaging in that process, active listening, active learning. And, you know, you might remember this from school days that, you know, when you are taking notes on something that you're reading or a lecture that you're attending, okay, it does also give you something to look back at, you know, maybe reminders of what was said, but it's more than that. Even if you never look back at those notes, just the act of taking those notes changes the way that you absorb and internalize that information. So taking notes is a great strategy. You could even try it just when you are listening to these podcasts. Take some notes. It changes how you experience that information. Not only do some of my successful clients have that note-taking habit, they also generally have some sort of regular practice of reflection, exploration, some way of documenting what's going on. It may be in some sort of journal or some other way of documenting their progress. And I think the reason that this signals success is that the change that you are pursuing, it's not going to happen in the 30 or the 50 minutes that you are spending with a teacher or a coach or a group or in a session once a week. It's happening in between those sessions in how you are continuing to reflect and apply and implement what it is that you've been talking about or thinking about it. And, you know, that's another thing that I've noticed that these successful learners and doers and changers have in, in common is that they're they're very proactive about the process. They're not just sitting back passively waiting for me to explain it to them, to figure out what they need to do and to tell them what to do. They are really thinking about and asking for what they need. They make suggestions. They come up with plans and then ask for feedback on those or help sort of debriefing from something that they tried and what went well and what didn't. They're thinking about what's working, what's not working, and why. They're coming up with hypotheses that we can then test together. They're just, they're an active partner in that process of discernment. And then they take action. They 
they implement, right? And we, you know, we've talked about this in a lot of different ways that it's easy to get stuck in information gathering mode or analysis paralysis, but that we have to actually put those plans into action in order to be able to see results. And it sounds so obvious when I say that, but that is a place where a lot of people get stalled. They make the plans, but they don't implement the plans. So the people who are making progress, they're taking action, they're implementing. And equally importantly, I see them learning as much from what doesn't work as from what does, because both are really equally valuable sources of data. So I think part of this is just a willingness to endure or even embrace failures as a necessary part of the process. And it's that's easier when we don't let that then mean something about our ultimate chances of success. We don't turn that into a story about how we try and try and we never succeed. We see it as just everything I try that doesn't work gives me information that I can use to make the next attempt more successful. But would you at this point in your life get some benefit from that sort of formal or structured arrangement? I think it's important to understand what coaching actually is. So in its purest form, coaching is not about teaching someone how to do something or telling them how to solve a problem. I think this surprises a lot of people. But true coaching is really just about helping people understand what they need, what's getting in their way. Really, it's about helping them access their own wisdom, their own problem-solving skills, because no one is closer to their situation and their circumstances than they are, right? So helping them access the knowledge and the wisdom that they actually have and, you know, ultimately just helping them to understand themselves better and get better at helping themselves, at coaching themselves. Now, depending on the specific training and expertise and background that a coach has, they may also be able to offer more specific input and direction. For example, if you are working with me in a program or one-on-one, I have a lot of training and expertise in nutrition, so I am able to sort of combine nutrition consulting with true coaching. The same would be true if you were working with someone who had specific training and expertise in fitness or exercise. So most of the work that I do with people is in that sort of hybrid model where I can use my expertise and my knowledge in food and nutrition to answer those specific questions or address specific challenges or problems or you know to teach specific skills related to that but I am also always working to empower my clients to be more self-aware, more self-reliant. So here are some of the things that Sometimes people expect to get from a coach, but that coaches actually cannot do or provide. Number one, motivation. This really comes only from you knowing why whatever this is that you're working on is important to you. That is going to be your source of motivation, not your coach. A coach cannot provide your desire to do the work. Yes, we always want you to succeed, 
But you have to want it too. We cannot want it for you. A coach also cannot do your work. So in any sort of teaching or learning or coaching relationship, both the coach and the client have a job to do, but they're not the same job. And only you as the client can do yours. If I'm the coach, I can ask the questions, but you have to supply the answers. I can suggest a course of action for you to try, but you have to actually take the action so we can find out what happens next. And coaching is also not necessarily a shortcut. I mean, coaching can definitely help you eliminate unproductive effort, and that can help you be a lot more efficient and get better results with less effort. But it isn't going to allow you to skip over essential parts of the process. But here are some of the things that good coaching can do or provide for you. Number one, perspective. Your coach is the person who can see those things that you might be missing because you're just too close to them, right? And that may be things in your thoughts, in your in your beliefs, which are often very invisible to us, but unbelievably powerful. They also even be able to catch things in your implementation, in the actions that you're taking that you don't quite see. Coaching can also provide a certain sense of accountability, although... I'm always a little leery about mentioning that because this is not accountability in the sense that you're going to do something simply so that you don't disappoint your coach. That doesn't really help anybody. The accountability comes from the commitment that you've made to do the work now in this way with this person, in this structure, as opposed to just sort of a, a vague intention to, to someday get around to doing that, which, and we all know when someday is, right? Someday never comes. Coaches are great at providing collaborative problem solving. And what I mean by collaborative is that this isn't just a prescription or it shouldn't be just a prescription. Okay, here's step one, step two, step three, that this is this is very much a, a collaborative process of both defining the problem and creating sort of a custom fit solution to it. There's teamwork involved there. Coaching or a coaching program can definitely give you some structure, some sort of framework, tools, a proven process, and equally important, some help in identifying which tool, which process is the right one for the situation that you are working on. Definitely, it can be a really valuable source of support. This can be the kind of one on one support you get from working with a coach directly, but I've also seen equally valuable, the support that can come from a community of people. So in like a group coaching type of program where you have a bunch of people who are working on similar things together, it's helpful to have some other people who are in your corner and cheering you on. And as I mentioned before, coaches may also have specific expertise and experience that are going to help people solve specific types of problems. If you're considering investing in some coaching or a program, here's a couple of questions you might want to ask yourself. Number one, how invested are you in success and solutions as opposed to just excuses or rationalizations? I mean, do you really 
want to create this outcome or do you just want to say, well, I tried my best? You know, I, there are always people who seem to secretly be looking to prove their hypotheses that it is not possible for them to do this. And if, you know, if that's what you are dead set on doing, you will almost always succeed because no amount of coaching can help you create a result that you don't really want to create or that you're just not ready to work towards. Question number two, and this is one to really spend a little time with because there's there's very valuable information in the answer to this question. What have you already tried and why didn't it work? This goes back to using our failures as not a roadblock, but as a stepping stone to success. So it's very valuable to take a look at what you've tried and and why it didn't work for you. Let's not repeat those errors by just trying a slightly different flavor of the same thing. If you can identify, for example, that a group was not a good environment for you, then you're not looking for another group program. And you know, as you think about what has and hasn't worked for you in the past and why, Ask yourself whether those barriers are ones that actually could be realistically addressed in a coaching relationship. So if the if the big barrier is the amount of time that you have to invest in this, coaching can't fix that. Coaching can help you examine some false beliefs about your time or what absolutely must be done or, you know, that, but cannot actually create more hours in the day. And a third question, if you've been researching different ways to solve a problem, maybe you've tried a bunch of them and you're feeling just sort of overwhelmed or paralyzed by the number of options, the the glut of information that's available to you. And one of the ways that I often see this play out is that people make a, a series of a very short attempts at solving a problem using a lot of different approaches. So they just kind of hopscotch from thing to thing, but don't give any one thing a chance to actually have an impact. So if you're kind of solution hopping because you can't figure out which one might be the most effective for you, that's also a great way to use a coach. Because if you're truly motivated, if you are actually willing to do the work and you just need a little bit more direction or focus or help identifying and removing barriers, then that definitely makes you a great candidate for a really successful coaching relationship. So those are some thoughts on on some of the things that make people successful and some of the things that often get in people's way for you to think about. And if sustainable weight loss or weight maintenance is something that is the thing that you'd like more support on, well, that is something that I can help with. Our group coaching program, the Wayless program, you've probably heard us talk about it on the podcast before. Unfortunately, that is not currently open as of this recording, which is in July, 2023. And at this point, We're not anticipating being able to open that up until the very end of the year. It kills me to keep people waiting that long because I know we have people that are eagerly waiting an opportunity to enter into that program, but we are in the midst of a major overhaul of the program. I'm so excited about what's coming when when it's finally ready, but unfortunately, it's just going to take some time, especially because our first priority is always to the people who are currently enrolled. But in the meantime, 
I do have a limited number of openings for private coaching based on the tools and the curriculum that we use in the Way Less program. And if that is something that you'd like to learn more about, send me an email, monica at wayless.life, and we can talk more about that. But in the meantime, I hope you will put the notes that you took during today's episode to good use in creating the changes that you choose. All right. Thanks, everyone. This has been the Change Academy podcast with Monica Reinagel. Our show is produced by me, Brock Armstrong. You'll find links to everything Monica mentioned in today's episode in our show notes, as well as on our website at changeacademypodcast.com, where you can also send us an email or leave us a voicemail. If you're finding this podcast helpful, we hope you'll subscribe or even better, give our show a rating or review in your favorite podcast app. Or, best of all, share this episode with a friend or colleague you think would enjoy it. Now here's to the changes we choose.